Well, good morning. morning. You all having a wonderful weekend? Wonderful, wonderful. So good to be here with you this morning. It's good to see you. As we begin a new series entitled Unbelievable, I'm Pastor Craig. It's a blessing to be able to share the word with you this morning. But I think what we're going to do first is we're going to hit the pause button here and we're going to spend just a minute in prayer, okay? Is that all right with you? So why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we do come to you again this morning and we come to you humbly in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, thanking you and praising you for all of your good gifts in both body and soul. Thank you for the freedom that we enjoy in this country. We thank you, O Lord, for all that you've given to us. We pray, O Lord, today that you be with all of those among us, our brothers and our sisters in faith, and all those who we carry with us in our hearts who are in need of your healing touch, your strength, your peace, your comfort. O Lord, for those who've lost loved ones, we pray your presence, reminding them that there is eternal life for those who've fallen asleep in you. We pray this for Tim Tokars and his family on the death of his mother. For all who among us are sick and who are healing, we pray your presence. For those who are absent from us today or are traveling on vacation, we pray traveling mercies. We pray now also, Lord, that you would send us the Holy Spirit, that you would open your heart, our hearts and our minds to your word today that we might learn and grow from it. Lord, please protect me also from misspeaking it. We pray and ask this in your most holy name. Amen. So a question is this morning, have you ever had anything in your life that you would really desire to have happen, but you just know that it's not going <laughs> to? Get it, the phrase, when pigs fly, does that like come to mind? Uh, have you ever had anything in your life that happened to you and it was like, that's unbelievable. I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at uh, the store at Kroger here at 23 in Hayes, I put, and, it's, and it's pouring rain. I mean, it's just raining, dogs and cats. In fact, I stepped in a poodle. <laughs> now, I got to warn you, that's as good as it gets today. Because from here on out, it's getting pretty serious, okay? So anyway, it was raining, and uh, I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to get all soaking wet. And so I pulled into the lane, and lo and behold, the first available parking spot beyond the handicapped spots by the door was available. I pulled in, and I'm like, that's unbelievable. I looked up in heaven, I'm like, the king's kid. <laughs> Last week, I uh, was called out to the hospital one evening, about 8 o'clock, uh, for somebody in the emergency room. So... The hospital was like 10 miles away. So I get in the car and I'm driving to the hospital. I get to the hospital. I'm in the emergency room with them and we're talking and praying and so forth. And I said, you must be pretty important. I said, because I hit every light green getting here. And they looked at me and they went, that's a miracle. I think that the word miracle is a little bit overused. I think it's, uh, miracle is a little bit overused. My... Getting that parking spot at Kroger, that wasn't a miracle, okay? That was just simply somebody that was there left at the right time. <laughs> now, I was a king's kid, God's grace, but that was no miracle. Uh, getting to the hospital and hitting all the green lights was not a miracle because I paced them. <laughs> <laughs> I let them think it was, but coming home from the hospital... I hit every single one of those lights red. (laughs) 
Miracle. I think that word is a little bit overused. And in this series, unbelievable, we're going to be taking a look at unbelievable healing, unbelievable protection, unbelievable security. And in the unbelievable, it's God working. It's God working outside of the natural bounds of things. It's when God works outside of the natural order of things to do those things that he wants to do. But that's not the only way that God works. Okay? So as we go through this series, this is going to be a great series uh, during the whole month. As we go through the series, we're going to see how God works unbelievably in our life, sometimes through ordinary, natural things, and sometimes outside of, of those things. Today we're going to be talking about unbelievable deliverance. Unbelievable deliverance. And we're going to talk about deliverance in this, in the fact that you and I, we share a common problem in our life. A common thing. And that's a daily struggle. It's a daily battle that we face each and every day. It's an invisible battle. It's a spiritual battle. And the struggle, the struggle is over the freedom that we have won through Christ Jesus and through his work. The freedom that you and I have by his grace. The struggle is to take that away from us to take away the forgiveness that we have and to, make, to have a, a bad relationship with God. You know, you would think that once we become Christians, that once we come to faith in Christ, we're baptized, we believe in Jesus, you would think that this struggle of faith is over. But it's not. That's when it actually begins. Because now once you come to faith in Christ, Satan goes to work double time, double time trying to pull you away from your faith and from God. It's the daily battle that we all face. This daily battle, it all, it, let me I look a little bit different in each and every one of our individual lives. Perhaps it's something in our life, perhaps we're feeling guilty over something that we committed or that we did and we just can't, we just can't feel forgiven. First of all, don't trust your feelings. Uh, but you just can't feel that forgiveness. Or maybe perhaps you keep getting reminded about this thing that you did wrong. And so there's that battle. To, um, perhaps it's fear. Fear of the unknown. That fear over things that you just can't control. Whatever, whatever Satan and his demons are using in your life to create havoc and pain and suffering, that's the daily battle um, that we face in our life. And it's a spiritual battle. It's an invisible battle. Maybe perhaps verbal attacks from other people. But in each and every one of those instances, it doesn't matter what it is in our lives, in each and every one of the, our, those instances, it's an attack on our faith and our conscience. And that's what we have to look for. We have to be careful, watch for that faith, that attack on our faith and our conscience, because that's what it's all about. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy. He said to Timothy, wage good warfare. Wage good warfare by holding on to faith and a good conscience. Why? Why faith and a conscience? Because if Satan can destroy our conscience, our relationship with God, then he can go to work on our faith. You know what Satan's goal is? Satan's goal in this struggle is to devour us. We're reminded of that in 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour us. So that's simply his goal. His goal is simply to devour us to get us away from Jesus Christ, to give up on him. 
and to distract, to destroy our faith. That's his goal. But in this battle, this spiritual battle that we face each and every day, we are not defenseless. We are not defenseless. We have available to us God's intervention, God's supernatural power and grace. And that's what we're going to be taking a look at this morning. So I invite you to open your Bibles to page 979, page 979, first, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 10 is what we're going to be taking a look at this morning as we talk about this. And by the way, if you're a guest with us this morning, or if you are in need of a Bible, you don't have one, you'd like to have one, feel free to take the one that you're holding. Take the one that you're holding home with you uh, as our gift uh, to you. So we're taking a look at Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 10. And here uh, is where we are encouraged to fight the good fight. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, and making supplication for all of the saints. So in this we see that we have unbelievable supernatural natural deliverance from Jesus Christ. What this deliverance that we have available to us is beyond the observable universe. We can't see it, but it's there. And I want to share with you three things about this unbelievable deliverance that we have. Three things this morning. First, that in this spiritual struggle that we face each and every day, first of all, we have to know the enemy. Second of all, we have to be able to use the right, the right weapons, fight in the right strength. And third is to fight, to fight in the right place. To fight in the right place. So first, we need to know the enemy. Paul writes in 6.12, For you do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Just a few key words there in that verse. Wrestle. Okay? That's, that's talking about two people who are wrestling. And the object of wrestling, at least in Paul's day, was that you would overpower your opponent and then to claim victory over them, you would step on their neck, hold them down by their neck, so what Paul is saying here, metaphorically speaking, spiritually in this struggle, spiritual struggle that we have in each other today, Paul is metaphorically saying that in this struggle, Satan's goal is to take control of our emotions, take control of our spiritual life, and to have victory over us by standing spiritually on our neck and keeping us down. The other phrase there, flesh and blood, well, that's the opposite of the invisible. It's physical cosmic powers and so forth, that's 
all of the invisible spiritual demonic powers that are at work in the world, which, by the way, are stronger than any human power, and heavenly places. Heavenly places is not in heaven where Jesus is. That's not what that means. Satan was thrown out of heaven. Satan is no longer allowed there. Heavenly places is this physical world that we are in. It's in heavenly places are the clouds, the, the air, the things that we see. The battle is here on this earth. So with all of that in mind, who is our real enemy? Who is our real enemy? What Paul is pointing out here is, I think the danger that we face is that we too often mistake who our real enemy is in this battle that we face each and every day. We mistake who the enemy really is. Sometimes we imagine that it's people. We imagine that it's people who do evil, both in the world and, and in the church. But what Paul is saying here is that's just not the case. Spiritually speaking, we have no human enemies. We have no social economic group as our enemy. No religious group is our enemy. No political group is our enemy. We don't have physical human enemies. Our struggle is against Satan and his demons. Now, even though they may, yet they may use misguided people, they may tempt and misuse and use misguided people in this struggle that we face in each and every day and tempt us, and we too may fall to that temptation. It's amazing, I think, how often, at least I'll speak for myself, how often I fall to that temptation. It's not people. It's people who are misguided and who are used by Satan. Our real spiritual enemy brings darkness to this world by keeping people from, first of all, knowing Jesus in the first place and trying to drag them away from him once they come to faith. And along with it comes all of the ungodliness, all the immorality, all of the pain and the suffering and the darkness in this world. So remember, know the enemy. It's Satan. It's not human beings. And his goal is to destroy your faith, to give you a bad conscience in your relationship with God the Father and with other people, and then go after your faith. Here's his tactics in doing that. His first tactic is to use the sins that you commit. To use the sins that you commit whether it be in your actions, your words, your thoughts, your desires, whatever it might be, to use those sins that you commit. We're tempted, and we are tempted a lot today. We are tempted in this culture. We are tempted in this culture to tolerate and to embrace and to go along with things that in the past never would have been tolerated, never would have been embraced, Never would have been accepted. Last week, I received a pleasant task of picking up my five-year-old granddaughter from basketball camp. I went and picked her up, and we come walking out of uh, the basketball camp, and we're walking up to the car, and she goes, Grandpa, I can sit in the front seat now. <laughs> I said, well, you're not going to today. <laughs> So I put her in the, in, in the back seat, in the passenger side, in the back. I strapped her in. And I was driving her over to where my daughter Christina works. And we pulled up to a red light. And I was the first one in line. And a van pulled up next to me on the, dry, on the passenger side, first in line. 
And I looked over to my right, and this van had sexually explicit bumper stickers and words on it. And let's pretend, let's not pretend that we haven't seen them. You've seen these silhouettes that are sexually explicit on cars. And this van had, it, had these things plastered all over it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. There was a day in our culture where these things were just unacceptable and you would have been pulled over. They weren't, it just wasn't acceptable. But now it's like, it's okay. They have the right to do that. I'm staring at this van and this voice from the back seat comes, Grandpa. Now my granddaughter is at the top of her class. She's five years old. She's smart as a whip. And she can see, and she can read, and she can understand. And I thought to myself, and I meant it, oh my God. I said, Sarah, I said, Isabella, look at me. <laughs> and I tried to talk her, keep her talking while the light was red. Of course, it was the longest red light in Macomb County. <laughs> but we experience this stuff in our culture each and every day. These temptations come at us. And it's just in your face. It's not like it used to be. And our children, at the age that they're getting it, it's there. It's the spiritual battle that we face each and every day. And then Satan uses the sins that we commit to come after our conscience and to make us feel guilty because we see those images. And then right away, I mean, come on, admit it. Where does your mind go when you hear this stuff and see it? Now, some people think that Satan can read your thoughts. He can't. Psalm 139 points that out. It says, O Lord, you have searched me, you know me, you know when I sit, you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out, my lying down, you are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Psalm 139 points out to us that there's only one person who can perceive and know and understand the thoughts of the human hearts, and that is God. He's the only one. However, Satan can hear and see how we, we react to certain temptations. He's using guesswork. So along come these temptations, and he hears and sees how we react, and then he goes to work. He targets that. He targets that. And then he targets our conscience by watching our behavior and getting us to fall to his temptation. Satan and his demons do the tempting. We fall to the temptations, and he accuses us. Oh, Craig, how could you be so terrible? God was never going to forgive you for that. See, trying to disrupt my relationship with my Savior and getting me to think that I cannot be forgiven, to disturb my conscience. Take any one of the Ten Commandments. Take any one of the Ten Commandments. And that's where Satan goes to work, trying to take us captive by fear, fear of death and unforgiveness. Now, once we begin to think that way, then he goes to work with the gospel, and he says, Ah, oh, Craig, don't worry about it. That's okay. God died for you. He'll forgive you. And then we start adopting this attitude of that what that does, it goes to work, it weakens the conscience, and then it can keep us from true repentance. 
So that's his first tactic, is the sins that we commit. The other one is the sins that others commit against us. He continues to use the wrongs that people commit against us. He uses those sins, and he loves to use other Christians. He loves to use other Christians and people in our families, those around us, those who we love. Those are his favorite ones to use in this tactic. They commit a wrong against us. They do something to us, and now we're wronged. And then what Satan does is he appeals to the darkness that is in us. Yes, we have a darkness in us. It's called original sin. He appeals to that darkness in us and tempts us to play that wrong against us, that sin against us, over and over uh, over again in our mind. And the more that we re- replay that over and over again in our mind, the more uh, worse the offense becomes. We feel more righteous than the person who offended us. And what happens is we become, we start to kill them off in our mind and or maybe we even begin to punish them. And we punish them with our words. We punish them with our actions. And the whole point of this is that Satan is trying to get us to break that relationship with that person to destroy that love and that bond that is between us, between them. And there's been whole relationships that have gone this way. People, uh, wrong is done against somebody, and before you know it, some strong, great relationship that was there uh, at one time now is ruined. It's in ashes. All because of this replaying this wrong over and over again in our mind. So again, in these tactics... It's to get us away from God. It's to get us away from others. And then when he, have us, when he has us alone, now he goes to work on our faith and our conscience. So first, know the enemy. In this, we have unbelievable deliverance. We have an unbelievable defense, and that is to use the right strength. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Strong, that word strong in that sentence, in the Greek, that's passive. That means you have nothing to do with it. It's all God. Strength means perfect. Might means ability to overcome external things. So what's happening is we have the ability to overcome external things in God's perfect strength as we stand strong. Passively. You know what that is? That's God's grace. What Paul is saying is be strong in the grace of God, for he is the one who makes you strong, not you. He makes us strong by his grace, and he grants us perfect strength so that we can overcome all of those things that we face in this spiritual struggle each and every day. You know what's going to happen? If we rely on our own resources and we rely on our own strength, you and I are going to fail We're going to be defeated each and every time. That's what's going to happen. Perhaps we face disappointment in our life, and if we rely on ourself, if we rely on ourself and not God, we become angry, impatient. We experience success, and we think it's all us. We forget that it's God who brought it to us. We face difficulties, and we just give up rather than relying on Christ. We encounter danger, and we become fearful of the unknown. Here Paul is saying to put on the armor of God. 
put on the whole armor. To put on means to be fully enveloped, enveloped, encompassed by it. To put on the armor of God. And by the way, it's the same armor that Jesus wore in his battle against Satan. He's the victor. We receive everything from him. He empowers us by his spirit. And we are made spiritually strong in him. David. David writes in Psalm 28, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to him. With God as our strength, everything changes in our everyday life. Using God's strength and his armor, everything changes. Panic attacks. You know, when things come, do the natural thing. Do the natural thing, but then pray for God's unbelievable supernatural intervention in that natural thing. If you're experiencing panic attacks, go to the doctor. Seek help. But pray for God's supernatural intervention in it. If we are suffering from emotional difficulties, seek Christian counseling. But then pray for God's supernatural intervention through that counselor. If we're suffering from grief, join a grief support group. But then pray for God's natural intervention, supernatural intervention from the support of those fellow Christians. Whatever the case may be, God can and will work through others praying for his intervention. The last thing is that we fight in the correct place. That we put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Stand in this word. Here he is, one who is in the middle of a fight. And what they do is they hold their position. They stand in one place. They don't go out. They don't retreat. But they stand. Paul, here in Ephesians, by the way, Paul here in Ephesians is using the Roman army and a Roman soldier to, metaphorically in our fight against Satan. You have to understand that the Roman army had two kinds of troops. The Roman army had those kinds of troops that would go out and fight the enemy. They're the ones that received all the glory. They're the ones that received all of the you know, history notes and everything. But then they had the other kind of a soldier, troops. And what they would do is they would stand guard they would stand guard and protect what had been taken from the enemy. That's what their job was, was to stand and not go anywhere. So in that context, what Paul is saying to us is metaphorically that we, we fight against Satan and this struggle by standing in place, by standing guard, watching over those who God has placed in our life that we stand where we have been placed, in our callings, in our vocations in life, in all that we have, co-workers, mother, father, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, son, daughter, whatever your calling might be, that's where the battle is fought. We don't need to go looking for Satan. He's going to come to us. And so we fight this battle by standing in place in our vocations and praying for those who God has put into our life. That's where our post is, in the world and in our families. We stand against the devil in faithful worship. We stand against the devil in faithful worship attendance, in our Bible studies, and in our house churches. Because it's in worship, it's in worship that we hear the word of God, 
It's in the Bible studies. It's in the house churches that we receive, the fellowship and the encouragement of fellow Christians. That's where the battle is fought. That's where we stand and fight against Satan. It's in the worship and the Bible studies and the house churches that by hearing the word of God, we know and we are reminded that we have been what? We have been called out of darkness into his wonderful light that we are in Christ Jesus. And being in Christ Jesus, we have the forgiveness of sins, that we are one of his kids, that we have the ability and the blessing and the grace to call God our Father. And that Christ shed his blood for you and for me. It's in the worship and the Bible studies and the house churches that we defy the devil in our confession of faith and in our singing of praises to him. We stand against the devil with a vibrant prayer life. Deliver us from evil. And when we pray that prayer, God does defend us and we join with him in the resistance. Unbelievable deliverance. Supernatural deliverance. That is what is available to us in our fight in this spiritual struggle that we face each and every day. In Ephesians chapter 6, 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand here means to stand your ground. We have an unbelievable, miraculous, supernatural deliverance through Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross in the spiritual struggle that we face each and every day. Just put on the whole armor of God and watch for it. Be watchful. We have Jesus Christ and his strength. If you join with me in prayer. We're going to be receiving Holy Communion. So we're going to have a time of prayer and also a time of confession to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive. Father in heaven, we do come to you this morning. We thank and praise you for all that you have done for us. We thank you for the armor that you used in your fight against Satan on our behalf. We thank you that by your grace you have made that available to us in our fight. We confess to you this morning that so often in our life we've kind of left that armor laying there and we've tried to fight the struggle on our own terms with our own strength and we confess to you that we have failed each and every time in our thoughts, our words, our actions, our desires. We pray, Lord, now that you would grant us forgiveness and hear our confession. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness, and for the armor that you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. The good news for us is that Christ, in his mercy and grace, does grant us forgiveness of all of our sins. And I pronounce that to you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks... He broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, Take eat. This is my body which is given for you. Just do in remembrance of me.
Then he took the cup and he blessed it. And he gave it to them and he said, drink from it all of you. This cup is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Just do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Come now and receive that forgiveness that is ours in Christ Jesus. All has been prepared for you. Body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and preserve you and keep you in the one true faith until one day you and I together see Jesus face to face. I'd just like to let you know prayer partners will be forward today after the worship service if you need someone uh, to pray with. God bless you. Go about the rest of this day in your life. Put on the whole armor of God. Watch for it. Watch for it. And use God's supernatural deliverance. God bless your day.